This is the Architecture and Innovation Podcast by Syraclad, featuring one-on-one interviews with designers, contractors, city managers, and civic leaders, as well as thought leaders committed to sustainability, innovation, and solutions that are attractive, affordable, and create healthy living environments. Our podcast illuminates the challenges, breakthroughs, and proven solutions brought to industries, organizations, and our communities. From the office and manufacturer of Syraclad in Redmond, Washington, and on location, this is the Architecture and Innovation Podcast. Our guest today, we're really honored and excited to welcome Ed Westbrook, CEO of Quarry House. Ed founded Quarry House two decades ago, translating the ancient craft of stonemasonry into a modern vernacular. He and his artisans believe in the art of legacy, combining traditional and innovative stonework techniques. By sourcing stone building materials locally and globally, Quarry House travels worldwide and creates timeless structures for both private estates and public spaces. Ed's collaborated with renowned architects and designers from around the world. Feel free to find him at quarryhouse.com. Again, that's quarryhouse.com. Ed... I'm really happy to talk with you today. Thank you. Thank you for being here. It's my pleasure, Tom. It's good to see you again and always happy to share on your podcast. It's it's a great, uh, great endeavor you have going there. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that, Ed. Ed, we talked just before we got on the show about the art of legacy. And uh, can you share with us, you know, how that came about? Was it you know, an epiphany or, uh, or what was it that really coined that phrase for you? Well, in the beginning of the company, as we were just forming it, um, you know, the marketing people always want some kind of tagline and got a bunch of silly things. And well, one day, one of the guys said, uh, well, it has to have legacy in it because we build things that last a long time. And I said, all right, fair enough. And, and then somebody else piped up and, you know, we're, we're artists. We like to think about ourselves as artists. And I corrected them and said artisans, not artists. They always think about it that way. So that's kind of the, the, you know, the genesis of it was that we kind of boiled that down to the art of legacy is to say in a very short sentence what we do and that uh, it helps us create the mission and the vision statement for the company. I like that we're artisans, not artists. Can you share uh, how that uh, how that approach and that framework came about? Um. Well, I think, you know, we, from the beginning, I think there's two, you know, you, you kind of encounter two kinds of people in our, in our world, in the stone world, per se. Um, there are artists that carve in stone. <laughs> uh, very, very famous artists. And, uh, you know, very, you know, we can take it all the way back and say Michelangelo, he was an artist. Um, but alongside of them have been a long, long, long history of people that, practice at the artisan level so they they um they hold the values that maybe an artist would hold but they are practical in their approach because we're building buildings and we're building uh environments and we're you know we're doing interiors we're doing parks and things that people will use and um not just admire it's not just a static art piece that people are going to look at it's it's an incorporation so that kind of gets you grounded in the fact that it's more than just a job. It's more than just learning a trade craft. Uh, we want our people, all of our people are committed to the fact that everything we do is, 
that has the art, artist's eye on it. Uh, we look at details, we look at um, conditions, and uh, we look at how things are assembled to make sure that the final product appeals to people on an art level, so it speaks to them at that, that, that level. It's really paying close attention to details and building the craft around that. And, mo and every craft that really exists today that comes from a long tradition uh, tends to have that same viewpoint. All my brothers in metal and glass and uh, decorative arts and, and so forth, they all hold the same, uh, the same set of principles about artisanship. What's your take yet on timelessness by design? We just came up with this in, in, in a piggybacking on the art of legacy is the timelessness by design. Do you think that there's, uh, you can do that? Yeah, I, I think it's really important in today's world. Um, it's the one thing that probably worries me a lot of, uh, in terms of a lot of modern ideas that are being propounded. I'm not, they're not necessarily bad ideas and a lot of the design's not necessarily bad, but I'm concerned about the concept that you build a building for 25 years. You know, I mean, we come from a history where we build buildings that last 5,000 years. And it seems to me to be a pretty big disconnect to, to all of a sudden be willing to accept that a building is going to be torn down and possibly recycled or partly recycled in a 25-year time period. Um, for myself, I find myself hard to believe that that's really good for us and our communities and our sense of place. Um, I think that, you know, a lot of people travel in Europe and they all talk, you know, glowingly about being in the old cities and being in Rome and being in Spain and you know Valencia or somewhere. And they talk about that feeling they got and they know it was beautiful and it was timeless and all of these things. And then they come back here and, you know, they want to take the shortcut or the quickest way or the fastest, you know, to get to the end zone. And, you know, and I'm, I, we preach a different philosophy. We say, let's, be thoughtful let's build things that are well built let's make sure they're going to last for a long many cycles um you know my ideal uh, home to build or house to build is with the idea that i would love to think that three or four or five generations can use that house and then maybe four or five different families or owners can come in and you know they with minor alterations they can reuse the house and it can can go on and on which is what happens a lot of times in european villages and towns are constantly being recycled the materials even torn down the materials are reused you know you see them you know blocks being reused in buildings and that's got a long history as well so i think that that's one tenet that we could study more and think about more in our in our modern building uh, environment no ed uh, i enjoy talking with you obviously but there's a there's an ease and there's a comfort with your own self are you i'll quote what uh the, definitely the great Art Gensler had said is, uh, yeah, you know, there was a point in my life I realized you know, some people liked me, some did, and some people like what I did, some people did do. You just kind of get real comfortable within your, you, you know, in your own skin. You obviously have that that trait, and I, I deeply admire that. How does that also translate in your culture, your culture at work, that sense of your, your sense of place, and ease with that oh. sense of place. Yeah, my son, my son is number two in my company, which I'm very proud of, and a, and a great leader and a wonderful mason on top of that. But he, he also said, Dad, you're slowly becoming more iconic than you are practical. 
Maybe that's my role now. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I work in a fantastic company, and it's not just because my family owns it. It's because of all the people in this company. And, you know, we have employees that date from day one, 30 years back now, that have been by my side with my vision, creating what we created. And, um, you know, and that that's a gift in today's world. I mean, it's a huge gift in today's world. And so that gives me right away a sense of no matter what we have in front of us, we have the confidence that we can tackle difficult projects and difficult uh, design ideas. Um, we can take on things that, you know, a lot of people might really not want to get involved in or seems crazy to them and and do it in a way that it's uh, has our mark on it when we walk away. People tend to look at Corey House's work and they see it. They see our, you know, people in the trade and people that know and designers and so forth will say, oh, yeah, that's a Corey House do that. And we know it's going to be uh, first class and done right. And and that's, you know, I'm not out there doing it every day. Uh, my job is, is, you know, more uh head office now and I, I have to i mean we have 40 people out in the world and we're in three states currently uh, doing substantial projects and so um you know i have to keep my eye on the ball in here and my time out there is limited i, I only get out to visit places and see things and work in the shop occasionally so for me it's you know I, in the beginning of my career i was hands-on and, and now i'm hands-off more or less and so that transition, I had to find a place to say, well, what can I be the most used to the company? How can I help my people the most? And I think that they want a sense of leadership and they want a sense of continuity and they want to know that we have it under control and that business is running well so that they can do what they do really well. And and I think any business that uh, can provide that atmosphere is going to succeed. You're going to be successful if you can do that. I don't care what you're doing. Um, I, uh, I, I, uh, you know, one concern I have is when I see businesses that aren't really vested in their employees and I, and I say, I, I don't think long term that's going to work. I don't think that that is absolutely the best way to go. Um, the churn and burn culture is, to me, not not going to last forever. I think we're going to come back to a bit. I think we are. I think actually this whole pandemic and the world kind of shifting has made people think about that. That's a good thing to think about. It's fascinating. You're listening to the Architecture and Innovation Podcast presented by Cyraclad. We're talking today with Ed Westbrook of Quarry House. For more information, feel free to visit quarryhouse.com. Again, quarryhouse.com. Now, Ed, I'll go back to uh, that sense of place and timelessness and, and legacy do you think that that can be instilled? I just came up with this question now. That can this can that be instilled, sustained, and even built upon with just with people that that mindset, that attitude, that that essence? Well, you know, I mean, from from my from where I live in the design architecture world is, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I consider myself a design support person. I'm not creating the original visions, but my job is to support those that are. And in that world, it's up to me to, to look at innovation and determine if innovation is practical and, 
and is is going to fit our mold of having to be a long-lasting, sensible um, uh, building system or solution to what you're doing. And so we take that really seriously, and it, it goes into the the materials, the stone or the terracotta or whatever we're working in. It goes into how we're designing that installation uh, in terms of the products and, you know, the mortars and all the different things, the engineering behind it on a lot of cases because we build complex buildings in earthquake zones and that takes a lot of engineering. But I would give some examples that are in the in the masonry industry that not everyone is aware of right now, but it's they're kind of developing. And one of them that we're very interested in is um, a technique called post-tensioning where we can take solid stone. Now, typically, solid stone has limitations. It's actually against code to build an unsupported stone structure, especially in a seismic zone. So that means that you have to build a structure and then put the stone on it. But what is starting to be examined is post-tensioning the stone itself and making the stone stronger by using engineering techniques. Uh, I won't get into all the details of that, but suffice it to say that we have ways of using steel and cables and engineering and incorporating it. And, and, and a good example of that is that the art of having freestanding, free-flowing uh, staircases that are completely stone, right, all the way up and down. They were built in Europe for many, many years, but they are very dangerous in an earthquake zone. They can, they can come apart. Now, there are techniques to post-tension them and make them safe and engineered so that you can have a free-floating stone staircase in the middle of a structure with nothing else holding it up but the stone and this post-tensioning system. That is leading to uh, a renaissance in thinking about post-tension buildings and many other things. So there is an example of 21st century engineering and technology being directly married with, you know, five or 6,000-year-old history of stone and stone construction and bringing it into a modern world. I think that has, and, and, and it's, it's sustainable and long-lasting, and it's built with sustainable things. So it meets the criteria of building sustainably in the 21st century, but it, it, but it creates many, many opportunities for thinking about doing things differently. And that, to me, is exciting, and that's one of the things that Quarry House is committed to on the cutting edge. On that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to touch on it throughout our, our interview, Ed, is the, the legacy, because um, there are two words that really stand out in my mind, two words to... Like, everything and that is beauty and civility and stone seems to for whatever reason at least in my opinion have that like just built into it what's your thought on that that beauty and civility yeah i think we talked about that the last time you interviewed me a little bit and i introduced you the concept of of the haptic senses and we talked a little bit about you know incorporating um, I, I use the example of like if you walk into a beautiful forest, like an ancient grove of trees, and you immediately have this calming sense, and you have all your senses are heightened, your hearing, your sight, your smell, and the combination of all that is your haptic senses. That is that sense of a place or a, 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 a thing. And there's been some really wonderful research projects done at university level about how people feel around stone, you know, sitting on a stone boulder or sitting in a stone bench or being in a, 
piazza in, in Italy where you're surrounded, the buildings are stone, piazza is stone, the fountains are stone. And, you know, does that speak to humans at a different level? And we believe it does because it's such an old building material. I mean, it goes back to, you know, and not to be uh, facetious about it, but it really does go all the way back to caveman times. I mean, that was the original building, mud, stone, that's what we used to, to, to make our little shelters as we progressed as humans. And it carried through our entire history up until maybe the turn of the 19th into the 20th century is when it really started to change. So, um, you know, I, I'm not purporting that everything should be made of stone. I don't think that's true at all. But I do think that we offer um, the way we build, the way we think uh, that 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 uh, the masonry trades offer that if built well and thoughtfully you come into those places and you immediately sense it and people talk about it constantly i mean people go to europe and they come back and they talk about the feeling they had they don't know what it is exactly but it has a feeling and we believe that that is kind of a basic sense inside of people that stone is grounded it's part of the earth it's it's a, one of the materials that um that really speak to humans. Um, I'm not sure plastic does that. I'm not convinced at this point. <laughs> <laughs> well said. What's your uh, your your thoughts on? Uh, and I think we touched on this again. Is how much is is creative, and how much is about discovery, and their their importance. Um. Well, I think that um, I think having a curious mind is is really if you want to succeed in the arts and engineering and architecture, uh, building at high levels, artisanship, any of those areas. I think that a curious mind is one of the really great ad things that you can develop, and we can all develop it. It's not something you don't have to be born with it. In some you know, people are somewhere now. We're all curious. We, we as human animals are curious, obviously, animals. And I think if you can maintain that as you, through your life and continue, continue to be curious about everything around you, that it will help in developing inside of you, especially if you're an artist or an artisan or a designer. I think that those are is a critical mental um, discipline that you should develop. Um, I, I often tell younger architects, you know, the important things to do are to draw by hand because it engages everything. Uh, the important things are to cross-read. Don't just read architecture books. Read, um, I used to tell them, go get the plumber's journal, you know. Uh, go read about some guy, you know, how they deal with to toilets and stuff. Go read about... Um, you know, just just read a broad spectrum across and read out of your comfort zone. Read things that you wouldn't necessarily think you're interested in because that crossing of ideas will help you develop and and sharpen that sense of curiosity. And uh, this was something that was told to me actually when I was traveling many, many years ago by a National Geographic photographer that I happened to connect with over in China. And we were traveling together for a little while, and he is the one who introduced me to that. And it was a life-changing event for me. It was really important to me. I started doing it, and I never stopped. And it's it's fun, and it's and mentally stimulating. So I would recommend it highly. Yeah, and I noticed, Ed, 
that also I uh, I have a habit of having a pen in my hand, and I notice you have one as well. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what's the reason for that? I know there's quite a bit off topic, but maybe there is well, relevance to it. Sooner or later, you're going to say something to me, and I'm going to make a note about it because I won't want to forget it. And, and <laughs> okay. so I'm constantly doing that. and Or I'm writing to myself and saying, uh, you know, something, you know, remember that <laughs> or do that. <laughs> but you find that having that tactile yeah. ability really yeah. translates in a lot of facets of, of your profession and obviously your life. Yeah, yeah, I'm not a I'm not a great artist by any stretch, and I really am, don't draw that well. But I am constantly drawing stuff out to try to figure out in my own head what what I'm trying to do. You know, it's a, it's where I start kind of doodling and drawing, and well, okay, what about this and lines and circles and things. And and I notice that I you know, and I've had the privilege of working some really really great architects, and I and I notice they all have that habit as well. They're constantly doodling and drawing on a, you know, they have paper and pad with them all the time. And, um, and I, 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 I watched it and said, wow, that's, that's powerful. That probably is, means a lot to their process. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Excellent. You're listening to the architecture and innovation podcast by Siraclad. Our uh, public service announcement for today is about the ICAA, the, uh, the Institute of Classical Architecture and Art is a nonprofit membership organization committed to promoting and preserving the practice, understanding, and appreciation of classical design. For more information, you can find them on the web at classicist.org. That's C L A S S I C I S T dot org. We're talking today with Ed Westbrook of quarry house to find more information about the quarry house go to quarryhouse.com again that's quarryhouse.com ed can you share with us uh why the uh, icaa means and matters much to you uh i was brought into the icaa about five years ago i think now maybe six i don't quite remember but um uh, they contacted me and they asked me if I would consider going on their board and if I would help them develop artisanship participation in the ICA. And I told them I'd be glad to do that. And uh, we were able to uh, get an initiative inside the ICA to bring more artisans in and have artisan events, tours of shops. Uh, we actually had a fair at one point for the artisans. Um, but as time went on, the organization was developing a um, a very serious program about education, and that really interested me uh, quite a bit. Um, they have always been educating, um, offering drawing classes and, and classical design classes and theory and background of classical design. Um, but the whole organization, both the national and our local chapter here in Northern California, and other chapters in the ICEA have really turned their initiative towards building real educational programs. And um, ours started in uh, high schools. We had New Horizon uh, for grade school and high school, where we had drawing events and theory events for students. They were really fun. We made them fun. You know, they got to make little classical columns and draw things and, and start to understand the theories of proportion, which is really kind of the core of classical uh, design. And um, so as that went along, we, we have 
slowly progressed and teaching more and more into schools. And now we have recently formed a wonderful partnership with the Academy of Arts in San Francisco, and we'll be offering accredited uh, course uh, studies in classical architecture. And we become one of the only, there's only a few schools in the United States offering this. So the Academy will become one of those schools uh, teaching the ICAA curriculum. And we're very excited about that. And it's a big step forward for both the organization and our goal of providing really high quality classical design and art education. Oh, that's terrific. That Go back to the, the classical in, in that sense of timelessness again is uh does do all your employees have that this is a stretch but do they have that essence to them where that they really the classical the classics matters to them you know just really as people yeah i i i, I would say i think that everybody on our team can walk up to something that's proportioned wrong and see it mm. And they, they'll point it out. They'll say, that doesn't look right. <laughs> and I'm not sure. I mean, some, certainly there's a proportion of people in the company that have been fully trained in classical design and education. Um, you know, we have uh, four or five very talented artists, carvers that are full-time in the company, both here and in our office in Italy. And so, um, those folks have studied it. They are just shy of degreed in it. They are decades into carving classical and, um, you know, items. I mean, period, classical carvers. So uh, they're mixing constantly with our crews. I mean, there's guys, you know, out there tiling and there's guys setting stone and there's guys in our hardscape that are building parks and things. But they're intermixing all the time with the same core that are doing some of the more high-end classical art stuff. And um, so we feel that that constant mixing is great and, and it helps um, kind of permeate that culture through the whole company. Um, and we encourage our employees to go out and get as much education as, as they're willing to do. But, you know, we have to be practical. It's This work is hard on the body and, and guys go home tired at night and you know, there's, there's a limit to what you can ask somebody to do, but, um, we make as much of that available as possible. And, uh, we also have carving classes that we run. We try to run them every year. We haven't recently because of COVID, but before that we were offering a carving studio every year, both for outside designers and architects and our own people to come in and, you know, do a session on carving. So, um, we try to keep all of that alive in the company. Not everything we do is strictly classical. We work in the modern idioms. Um, we work in many different idioms. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of um, design uh, parameters that people have to be aware of in working in all of these different idioms. Ed, is there uh, anything you'd like to share on your show today that we may not have uh, talked about or touched on? Well, <laughs> um. You know, I, I, I guess I'm, I just continue to be a cheerleader for uh, the wonderful world of masonry and stone masonry. And, uh, and any chance I can get to go out there and, and wave the flag, I'm happy to do it. <laughs> That's great. Ed, 
it's been an, a real honor and pleasure having you here. I'm, I'm always, uh, I love speaking with you. I really do. It's you're one of my most favorite people out of hundreds. So uh, I really commend and, and salute you for being who you are. Thank you very much, Ed. Well, it, thank you, Tom, and it's always a pleasure to see you, and I, and I wish you super success with what you're doing. It's really important, and I love to keep it going. Thank you, Ed. Our guest today has been Ed Westbrook, CEO of Quarry House. Ed founded Quarry House two decades ago, translating the ancient craft of stonemasonry into a modern vernacular. He and his artisans believe in the art of legacy, combining traditional and innovative stonework techniques. Sourcing stone building materials locally and globally, Quarry House travels worldwide and creates timeless structures for both private estates and public spaces. Ed's collaborated with renowned architects and designers from around the world. For more information, feel free to visit their website at quarryhouse.com. Again, that's quarryhouse.com. You've been listening to the Architecture and Innovation Podcast by Syracuse. The Architecture and Innovation Podcast is recorded from the offices of Sierra Clad in Redmond, Washington, and on location. The executive producer and host of the show is yours truly, Tom Giro. Thank you for listening.